We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. 1 Samuel chapter 28. As tonight, we're going to cover a couple of chapters and we continue to learn some amazing lessons from the life's of David and Saul. Do you guys remember that movie? Uh, what was it called? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Do you guys remember that? I, I remember. I was just a kid, and I and I liked that movie. It's probably because I like chocolate. Um, but you know, there's a lot of things about it. But you know, when you go through that movie, I, I know if you're familiar with it. In the very end, what ended up happening was uh, none of them. Um, had really passed the test. None of them really, you know, were perfect. And even Charlie messed up, right? But it was cool the way that um, there was something about, and I think if you see the movie, there was something about Charlie, something about his heart that was different than the other kids. And so uh, he ended up getting the, the prize. And I think in many ways, that's the way life is. You know, one thing I know is that for us as Christians, there's no one perfect there's no one who deserves to be blessed. There's no one who deserves to be, you know, used by God in the ministry. There's no one who deserves to go to heaven because we all fall short. And our heart is deceitful and is desperately wicked. And we, you know, we do things and we think things and we are things that we're not supposed to be. But, you know, there's something deeper, I think, when, you know, you have that relationship with God. And especially if you've established that through faith in Christ, that changes everything. And I, and I think that's probably part of the distinction we're going to see between Saul and, and David. And I think that when we study these stories that God is just saying, you know what, I want you to have a heart like, like David. I want you to learn from him. And also learn, I think, you know, from the lesson of Saul. Have you ever gone the freeway? Have you guys ever done this going the wrong way? Have you guys ever done that? Some of you are, are just so good at all that. You never have. I do it like once a week. <laughs> no, I do it rather frequently. But, it, you know, you get on, you're like, I'm going, going the wrong way. That's what happened to Saul. He was going the wrong way, but he never got off the freeway. He never got off. You know, when we find we're going the wrong way, what do we do right away? You know, we get off and we, find, we figure out, you know, we got to go back and head the right direction, right? Saul never did that. And we're going to see today that in the end, he paid the price. That's why he ends up with the witch of Endor, right? It's because in the end, he's going the wrong way the whole time. And in the beginning, it's interesting because uh, Samuel told him, you know, that, that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And here he is, we're going to see at the end of his life, he ends up with a witch. It's crazy. What about you, man? What, what road are you on? Are you on the right road? Are you following Jesus Christ? Are you... You know, messing around. Are you playing a game with God? You know, there's two types of people. Those, those that are, that, that, that it's all a game. And those who aim to please God. And for some, where it's just a game and they're not real. In the end, in the end, you will be sorry. And that's why it is so important that we learn from the life of Saul that if we're going in the wrong direction, we get off the freeway and we change our heart, we make things right because this is such a tragic story we're going to see. 
And I pray that we would learn this. Deuteronomy 32, in verse 28, it says, For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. And that's what we have to really check our hearts. Lord, is my heart right? Am I getting rid of all known sin? Am I playing games? Or is my aim to please you? Because we want to see that this road that we're on, where does it end up at the end? And so look what happens in chapter 28, verse 1. It says, Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. And so David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Now remember, David right here is not right with the Lord. Um, Saul has been pursuing him for probably eight to ten years. And so David finally came to that place where he said, how long, how wrong, I can't handle this anymore. He went over and he defected. He was a fader, remember, then a traitor, then a raider. He was there with the Philistines in a place that he didn't belong. And so he would go out and he would raid the Amalekites. He would raid different tribes, but he would come back to the king of the Philistines, Achish, and he would say, yeah, I, I've been, you know, raiding the, the, the Jews, lying to him. You know, a year and six months he was in the wrong place. And so what ends up happening is now there's a war between the Philistines and the Jews. David didn't know it would come to this. And so the king of the Philistines, he says, hey, David, you're going to fight with me, right? Imagine that. David is now in a place where the one that had been anointed king of Israel is now is so close to the edge that he would ruin his life. He would ruin his calling. And I don't know, you know, you read commentaries on this, and some people say that, you know, David never intended to fight against them. Um, yeah, David's response was, surely you know what your servant can do. Now you're going to see what your servant can do. And so some people say, well, we don't know exactly what that meant. But, but, but I think that when you just take it at face value, and we look at this next chapter, David was at that point, I think, willing to to just go against his calling, to fight the Israelites, to join the Philistines. And it was, we're going to come back to this in chapter 29, but it's a really, really heavy story. You can just kind of put this on the side for now. What about you? What has God destined you to do? What about your life? And how a lot of times when we're playing games with God, man, we come to that, that place where, man, we could actually ruin that. Thank God for his grace, and we're going to learn that tonight in David's life, but not everybody you know, goes the route of David. So Achish here says, hey, you're going to fight with me, right? And David says, sure, I'll definitely. Look at verse, 20, verse 2. He says, therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Achish had plans for David that he would make him his armor bearer, his right-hand man. That's the way it is. You know, I always tell people this, and, it, and it's true, I think. God has a plan for your life, but so does the devil. I, I think he does. You know, of course, there's a little difference there. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. We're not comparing the two that they're equal, but the devil watches your life, and he says, you know what? I think this person can settle in right there just fine and dandy, and that wasn't your calling. So 
Anyways, this is the setting. And so in verse 3, it says, Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Samuel had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Now, we, we read of Samuel's death again there in verse 3, something we saw earlier in chapter 25, verse 1, but here it's mentioned again just to kind of emphasize the spiritual vacuum that had been left at Samuel's departure. And so what we find right here is that uh, Saul, to his credit, and like, I, like we studied, you know, and I know it's hard to really put your finger on everything, but I think in one sense Saul did start off pretty good. I mean, it says right here that he got rid of all the mediums and the spiritists. Those are uh, those people who claim to contact the dead. They mess around with demons. We're going to talk more about this as we go through this tonight because the Bible does forbid that in Leviticus 19.31 and Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. And so earlier in his reign, Saul got rid of all these mediums and spiritists. But, but as they're getting ready for this battle, one of the things that Saul never really overcame was fear. And, and a lot of people, they never overcome fear. The fear of failure. The fear of man. The fear of dying. And whatever that fear is, other than the fear of God, whatever that fear is, it will be your defeat. Remember in the beginning, the Lord had anointed Saul. The Lord had spoken to Samuel. And even in the very beginning, remember Saul? He was hiding in the equipment. Now, some people think, oh, he's being humble. No, he's not being humble. He's being fearful. He was afraid. He never really, truly, totally trusted God. He never did. You know, and then what happened? Goliath comes, and where's Saul? I mean, Saul was the one they said that was head and shoulders above everybody else. And so now there's the Philistine champion coming out, challenging the armies of Israel for 40 days, defying the living God, and Saul never did anything. Why not? Because he was a chicken, because he was afraid. And, and, and for us as Christians, you know, we, we got to know that perfect love casts out all fear. You've got nothing to be afraid of, you know. When you follow the Lord and you might take a venture of faith or whatever it is, things are happening in your life and the enemy's trying to paralyze you with fear. You know, don't, don't let the enemy do that to you. Saul right here was afraid. And so what does he do? Um, you know, he, he kind of like tries to seek the Lord. And so he says, but the thing is, is that he's not speaking to me through dreams or through, you know, the Urim and the Thummim, through prophets, God's not speaking to me. And, you know, that is, um, <laughs> it's such a terrible place for someone to be. Imagine that. You know, the Bible talks about how throughout the ages, how God would speak 
to the people through dreams in Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. And, you know, you've got to test all your dreams. Sometimes your dreams are because you ate too many tacos, okay? And so don't think, oh, that was the Lord. It's not always the Lord. You know, sometimes just things are on your heart and you go to bed. And, and, and yet at the same time, I, I want to share with you in the book of Acts chapter 2, it says that God can speak to us through dreams. And so you take those dreams and you test them. Of course, it's kind of like the wheat and the chaff, but you test them. But anyways, God wasn't speaking to him through dreams. And then, you know, that what we find in the scriptures is that God would speak to the leaders through the Urim. It says there in verse 6, or the Thummim. Now, in the priest's um, ephod, he had more than likely there were two stones. And, uh, and we don't know the details on this, but um, more than likely, this is what they say uh, throughout history, is that, that they were, you would ask God, like, questions you would inquire of the lord and it would be a yes or a no it would be a yes or a no and so one stone was maybe black for no one stone was white for for yes you would ask god and this is what they said that the answer that one of those stones would actually glow god would answer god would answer them amazing we don't know for sure but i, I thought that was really cool reading that but God wasn't talking to Saul through dreams, through the Urim, and God was not speaking to Saul through the prophets. And, and we know why, right? It's because Saul was in sin. Big time. He had been in sin for years. For years he had been in sin. You know, the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 3, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Have you come to inquire of me? As I live, says the Lord, I will not be inquired of by you. Why? Because they were in sin. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time the Lord really spoke to you? You know, and I know we have his word is given to us. I'm not talking about being mystical. I'm, I'm talking about being biblical. But when you can honestly say where the Lord, he really spoke to you. God gave you a word. God gave you a passage that dealt with your situation and and yeah, you know, you can go and you can look it up and you know it and praise God for that. But I'm talking about when you know, and because God is just so like this, he's such a personal God. And, and but when you're in sin, you will not hear him. In the book of Isaiah, right? Chapter 59. In verse 1 and 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is it heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face so that he will not hear. I'm telling you this. I pray that everyone here is enjoying and is experiencing a very, very personal relationship with God. You know, because that's the way it should be. It's amazing to me how God is able to be so personal with us. But if you're living in sin, like Saul was, I don't care, dreams, Urim, Thummim, prophets, it ain't going to happen. And I can't think of a worse place to be in life. I need that still small voice of God. The Bible says in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. We know in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands, be good husbands, or else God's not going to hear your prayers. And, of course, it's not just for husbands, but I think husbands have a, that challenge to be that type of leader, right? 
And so here's Saul. He's in this place. And, uh, and so God's not speaking to him. And so in verse 7, it says, And then Saul said to his servants, Okay, find me a woman who is a medium. And that's not her dress size, okay? <laughs> that You guys know what that is, right? That's a woman who, between the living and the dead, this is crazy stuff, man, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. And so Saul disguised himself. He put on other clothes. He took his kingly robes off. He just wore normal clothes. He had some Levi's on, a polo shirt. And he went, and two men went with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. And then the woman said to him, look, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord. What a hypocrite, huh? As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. It's crazy what can happen when you lose that relationship with the Lord. You know, the Lord had challenged the, the church at Ephesus. You've left your first you left your first love. And, you know, when you, when you don't repent and get things right, you know, God said, I'd rather have you hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I'm telling you guys this. Man, God wants this relationship that is so personal with him. And, but when you, when you don't get right with the Lord, I mean, there's things that you thought, and I, and I don't know what it is for you in your life. You know, you, I would never do that. I would never have an affair. Maybe you're saying that as a husband or a wife, right? I would never have an affair. Never. But if you drift away from the Lord, you might. Oh, I would never harm somebody physically. You know, I would never, and boom, you, you name it, you might end up there. Dave, I mean, Saul here, he cast out all the mediums and all the spiritists. There was a time in his life where he was kind of like doing the right thing. He started off pretty good, but now he finds himself, think about that. I, God won't talk to me, so I'm going to go talk to someone who can contact the dead. And we know what that means, right? That means that now he's going to the pits of hell for help. And that's what happens when you become desperate. You find yourself doing things that you would never, ever do. You know, the, the, the medium right here, for Saul to seek a medium, something clearly forbidden in Scripture, we find himself in a place of absolute desperation. And, you know, just as a quick side note, you guys, you know, um, whatever you do, stay away from all these things. Part of me wanted to go online and kind of do some research on mediums and tarot card readers and palm readers and all that Ouija boards. And I said, you know what, I'm not even going to going to look up look up that stuff. I don't need to really know all the details of that. I just know how dark that is, how demonic that is. I have counseled with people who have gone through to Santeria or you know different things before they were Christians. They used to worship the devil. Now, you know, they find themselves in a relationship with God, but they are still harassed by demons. I know how real that is. And you know, whatever you do, don't don't take that lightly. Here Saul goes to this gal who's a medium, and it's just so ironic. Like I said earlier, that he would end up with a witch 
because 1 Samuel 15, 23, when Samuel rebuked him, he said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And that's where Saul finds himself now at this point. And so he goes there. The woman says, no, well, you know, I'm gonna, I can get in trouble. I can die. And Saul says, don't worry. As the Lord lives, man, you're going to be okay. So verse 11, the woman said, okay, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. And I, and I thought about that. Wow, the trip, you know, Samuel, you know, I, and I was just thinking about how in the beginning, how his relationship with God maybe started and maybe there was something special there. He's trying to go back to that. And so he asked for Samuel. And then in verse 12, it's kind of funny. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And so he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stood with his face to the ground and bowed down. And you're like, well, why can't we do this? Because apparently it works, right? <laughs> well, um, more than likely, you know, because a lot of people will say, oh, it was just a hallucination or was a deception uh, or was demonic. I don't think that that's what happened. I think that Samuel, God allowed Samuel to really come up. We know that in the Old Testament when they died, and we can read over in Luke chapter 16, when the... The saints, prior to Christ, died. They went to this place called Abraham's Bosom. It's a place or compartment of the righteous. And it's actually a place of comfort, right, for the righteous ones. And so Samuel's down there, and uh, as God, for some reason, allows him to be called up, where we're going to see just to accomplish his purposes. And so you're wondering, well, when has this ever happened? Does we ever see it in the Bible? Yeah, remember when Jesus was uh, transfigured in Matthew chapter 17? Um, we see that uh, Moses and Elijah were allowed to come back from the dead, so to speak, as well, right? So it's not the first time, but what we find right here is God is giving them a genuine appearance of Samuel. It's the best explanation because it's, report, it's, uh, it's supported by a lot of things. Number one, the lady freaks out. <laughs> She's not used to this really happening. Now, when you go to, oh, I shouldn't say you go. Forgive me for saying that, okay? When they go to these uh, mediums, um, th you know, guys, you've probably seen it on TV. Some of them are just full-on fakes, right? But then we would also venture to say that some of them are full-on just demonic. And so a demon spirit can come up because we've heard stories, and they say that they brought up this, you know, spirit and that spoke through the medium and told them things that no one else would know. And so how did they know that? And the only answer to that is what is demonic, right? Because the demons are there. The demons know what's going on, and the demons can provide that type of information. And so, but this one's different. The lady freaks out, and so she sees the appearance of Samuel. That's one thing we see. The second thing we see in looking at this right here is that Samuel, we're going to see, pronounces something that is true, Plus, the Bible itself says that it's Samuel. And so Samuel really came not because the medium called for him, 
Samuel appeared simply because God had a special purpose for it. Adam Clark said, I believe Samuel did actually appear to Saul and that he was sent by the special mercy of God, this is interesting, to warn this king of his approaching death, that he might have an opportunity to make his peace with God. And so that would be definitely a very merciful explanation for this whole thing, right? But, but as this, you know, this whole thing begins to unfold, uh, you know, Saul falls on his face. He's prostrate before Samuel. And look at what Samuel says in verse 15. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. And then Samuel said, So why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and giving it to your neighbor David, because you did not obey. Here's the reason. You did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalekite. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines, the entire army. Samuel comes up, and he says the same message, but he says it with gusto, right? And what we find right here is that Samuel speaks this judgment against Saul, and, um, and it's a lesson for us. You know, one thing that's kind of interesting is Samuel says, I don't get it. You know, if God's not on your side, or if you're not on God's side, why are you turning to me? Why are you turning to me? You guys are familiar with the passage that said, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Isn't that cool? If God is for us, then who can be against us? But if God is against you, who can be for you? I mean, who can help you? Who can save you? You need to get your life right with God. And if Adam Clark is right in saying that God is saying, hey, I'm giving you a, a chance right here to know that you're going to die tomorrow, then you better get your life right. And you never know. None of us know. We might die tonight. Do you need to get your life right? Is there an area of your life that you need to surrender, that you need to be broken of? If there is, I pray that tonight would be the night. You know, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Maybe you've been playing games. Maybe you, you know, go to church. You play church. Maybe your friend invited you. I don't know how you got here, but I do know this. The most important part of tonight is to make sure that everybody here is ready to die, that everybody here is ready to go to heaven because you don't want to go to hell. God does not want you to go to hell. You're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. And it breaks my heart because I see it a lot. I see that there are a lot of people in the church, and when I say church, I use like I don't even know for sure if they're saved, that are playing games. You're gambling. You probably don't even know if you're saved. 
Maybe you're thinking you're saved, or sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, because you're not really living the life. Why would you mess around like that? If there's anything in your life that you need to kill, then kill it. We read that song, we sang that song, and I was talking to Steve about that song, and he's like, do you think that's a little strong? It says, crucify me, crucify me, crucify me. It's kind of a weird song, huh? <laughs> Imagine if you sang that out there in the world. <laughs> crucify me, you know, and they'd be like, they're, they're a strange person over there, man, you know, but, but it is, it's about dying to yourself, it's about getting rid of those sins, man, that will hold you back, you know, from heaven or from what God wants to do in your life, and so Samuel's like, man, I don't get it, you know, you need some type of special message from somebody to come up from the dead to tell you something so simple, if God's not helping you, that means that you're not right with God. You need to get right with God. And as a matter of fact, you're going to die tomorrow. So I'll tell you what, you know, imagine if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, you guys. What would you do? Double-double? No, I'm just joking. You wouldn't do that, right? <laughs> oh, it would be, be a trip, huh? Man, you'd take care of business, make sure your heart's right. Well, we kind of got to live that life. We have to live our life in light of the Lord's eminent return. He could come at any time. We have to live our life in light of our eminent, you know, you know, see you later. This is it. Always, always living our life like that. And so right here, Samuel comes up and he shares the judgment. He confirmed Saul's deepest fears that the kingdom would be taken from him and given to David as had been told him earlier in his life, something that he'd been warned about so much earlier and he never changed, he never changed, he never took it to heart that the Philistines would defeat Israel the next day and Saul, and his sons would join Samuel in death. doesn't necessarily mean that they were all going to Abraham's bosom. They were all going to die. Based on their life, their fruit, I believe Saul would go to hell. Jonathan would go to Abraham's bosom, right? And so it didn't change the word. <laughs> in one sense, like, have you guys ever heard that saying, too little, too late? Well, that's what happened with Saul. It was too little. And, and, and whatever, whatever it is, whatever you need to repent of, whatever you need to be broken of, be broken. Be broken. Humble yourself. Be broken. Because otherwise it will be too little. And, and then it will be too late. It's so important that we have that understanding. See, Saul died, and I believe that the Lord really wanted to change him, but he never did. And he died for, for not destroying the Amalekites, for chasing David, for all the things that he did. As a matter of fact, First Chronicles 10, 13, it says, So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. But he did not inquire of the Lord, therefore he killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. And so this was heavy stuff. This was like the final dagger. And so we read in verse 20, after Samuel gives his message, it says, Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day or all night. You know, and, and you kind of see Saul kind of going through a religious thing. Why didn't he eat? He's probably fasting. He's doing all the religious things, but he's just he's not really getting his heart right. He's not really being real. 
And so he had need, and he's physically, you know, drained, emotionally, spiritually. And so in verse 21, the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have pulled my life in my hands and heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now, therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservant and let me set a piece of bread before you and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. And so his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he heeded their voice, and then he arose from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she hastened to kill it, and she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread from it. And so she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate, and they rose, and they went away that night. His last meal. Imagine that, his last meal. And so we read in chapter 29 in verse 1, Then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites camped by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. And then the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him, since he has defected to me. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. And do not let him go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master, if not with the heads of these men? Is this not David, of whom they sang to one another and dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now, it's highly likely that the things we're going to cover in chapter 29 actually happened before verse 3 of chapter 28 but but either way to me as I was going through this chapter I was just thinking Lord Saul's not right and, and to be honest with you Lord David's not right either huh and, and so here are the Philistines and they're 20 miles into Israel 20 miles I mean they want to deal them a death blow at this point and so as I was going through this, I was like, Lord, this is kind of hard to figure out. You know, but the Lord said, you, well, you know what, you need to look deeper, but you need to follow this story. And what you find is that David was in a place where he was backslidden, right? And I, and I do believe that he was ready to fight for the Philistines. I mean, we don't know for sure. One day when we go to heaven, I'll, I'll probably be one of the questions we'll ask him. Hey, David, were you really going to fight against the Israelites at this point? I don't know, but... You know, maybe he was just thinking somehow God's going to get me out of this, right? But the Philistine lords, they say, hey, this guy right here, he can't fight with us. You know, because in the middle of the battle, he's going to turn against us and he's going to find himself reconciled to his master. And so what do they do? What they end up doing is they tell David to leave. In verse 6, this is the Nachish called David and they said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright and you're going out and you're coming out coming out and you're coming in with me in and the army is good in my sight for to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me nevertheless the lords do not favor you 
Therefore, return now and go in peace, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And so David said to Achish, But what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you, that I may not go out and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? And then Achish answered, and he said to David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to the battle. Now therefore, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. And so David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. What happened? Well, I think this is what happened because, you know, you kind of got to just take it and put everything together is that because of the fact that, that David had a different heart, there was something about David that was different than Saul. Saul was about position. David, deep in his heart, was about relation. Something that's also kind of interesting is King Achish. King Achish says, as the Lord lives. Where did that come from? Why is he invoking the name of the living, loving Jehovah God? Well, more than likely, you know, it's still in David somewhere, you see. And, and God looks a little deeper. And what ends up happening in, in God's grace and in God's mercy, God protects David. Huh. Just like, you know what, you guys, he protects you. You know, we don't always know the right thing to do. There's no one here that that's, that's, that's smart. There's no one here that that's that, that's, that, that's that wise. You know, aren't you glad that the Lord has opened some doors but closed many doors? Imagine if God answered every single prayer that you prayed. Imagine how much trouble you'd be in right now. And I remember there was this story that was told about well, no, I better not tell you that story, man. It's another time. But it was, it was about someone who prayed for someone, you know, oh, I want them to be my girlfriend, my boyfriend. And, you know, you got to be really careful with stuff like that, right? <laughs> you got to be careful, man. I mean, God has a plan. David right here, we know, was not in that perfect place. But in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, God looks deeper into the heart of David and what ends up happening is God sees something special about his heart. And God here protects him from going to war against his people. Because God would raise him up. God would make him king. And not only that, the thing that's kind of interesting is that, you know, I think that in looking at this right here, um, God wants to protect Israel as a, as a nation. And, and, and so, you know, he finds the man that he's going to use. He lifts up David and now that we look at David, is there anyone here who says, well, it's because he dotted every I and he crossed every T because he was the perfect man? Because if you say that David was the perfect man, then you didn't just read that chapter right there. You know what it is? It's that we have a perfect God. We have a perfect God who's on the throne and who gets all the glory, he's the God that you can trust. 
He's a God that you can say, Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I, I pray. And Lord, you know, there's probably times where I know like I'm not in the best place, but I want to be in the best place. Like I said earlier, there are two types of people. Those who are kind of like just playing games. It's about a game. And those who, it, it really is their aim to please God. It really is. See, God sees the difference. Some of the differences between Saul and David, and we'll close with this. Number one, Saul abused God's grace. Right? David used God's grace. Number two, for Saul, it was all a game. And for David, there was an overall aim in his life. Number three, for Saul, it was a position. Right? He was king, right? That he wanted to protect it. For David, it was a relation. And that's when you read the Psalms and you realize he loved the Lord. You see, for Saul, it was physical. For David, it was spiritual. For Saul, he was tall, head and shoulders apart from the rest. But for David, it was his heart that set him apart from the rest. And I guess that that's where we close tonight. You guys, man, I pray that Proverbs 4.23 would be one of your you know, life scriptures where it says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. I mean, if God was to look at your heart, what would he see, man? Would he see something beautiful? Would he see something healthy? Would he see it beating for him and for his glory? Or is your heart, you know, a heart that has not been transformed, that has not been softened, and that has not been surrendered like the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 22, it says, For I have found David to be a man after my own heart who will do all my will. I think when we have that, you watch the way that God will rescue you here. God will rescue you there. You know, right now we're praying for a building, you know, and just, man, I'm always thinking, oh, maybe this is the one, Lord, and hey, this is the one, and and, uh, you know, um, today we even had an appointment to go look at one over there. And it, it's a nice college. I mean, it's 27,000 square feet. Man, it's got a grip of parking. And I'm just thinking, Lord, this is it. And then, you know, the guy calls and uh, can't get a hold of the, the tenants. And, and so it's like, boom, another closed door. Another closed door. And a lot of times when you get those closed doors, you know, you, you can get frustrated. And you can get... I don't know, you can probably get in the, in the, in the flesh. But, but, but the, the same passage that the Lord gave us when we started the church is that Jesus, he has the keys. And he opens doors that no man can shut. And he shuts doors that no man can open. And I tell you what, I just want to get my heart right. I want to get my heart right. Lord, I want my aim is to please you in everything, Lord. And then, you know what, I, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him to close doors. And one day, you guys, it's going to be so cool. If the Lord tarries, I believe he's going to open a door for us that's just going to blow our minds. But we just got to trust him, right? And that's not just true for a building. A building's nothing. That's true for your life. It's true for your life, whatever it is. That God wants to do for you, you know, boom, he closed that door. He'll close that door. He'll close that door. But he's on the throne. He doesn't want you to go off the edge right there. And he'll open the door one day. And you watch what ends up happening. We're going to see as we study this story right here. What a glorious day it is, huh? What a glorious day it is when David...
ends up becoming the king of Israel, and he becomes a picture of who? Of our Lord Jesus. And isn't that what you want to be? Do you want to be you, or you want to be like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus, huh? Because that's what the people need. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, and um, thank you for your grace. I, I, David was a good man, but he wasn't perfect. Saul was crazy, Lord. We learned from him warnings. We learned from Saul, nope. We learned from David, hope. But Lord, you alone are glorified. You are the one who saved Israel. You are the one who worked in David's life. And tonight as we close the evening, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray for my own heart, Lord, that we would exalt you. That we would exalt you, Lord. Because the best of men, they're men at best. But you're the one, Lord, that we need. You're our Savior. And I just pray, Lord, that you would be magnified and glorified in every single heart here tonight. Lord, be with your beautiful people. Bless them and all the different things that are going on as they go here and there, as they're getting ready for different things, the Christmas season with their family, their friends, decisions that they're making at their jobs. Just so much going on at school with the kids. Lord, I pray that you would just build up a congregation, Lord, that loves you and that follows you and that our aim would always be to please you. Thank you so much, Father. Be with us now as we sing and as we go. I pray, Lord, you'd bless this time. We ask together in Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.